This is Dennis Ramondi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda, our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our focus, contemporary spirituality, and our guest today, Ms. Annika Lucas. Annika, you have a story like none I've ever heard before. Uh, in, in many ways, it's horrific, uh, what you've gone through and your inner strength that got you to survive your spirituality that has allowed you to get where you are now uh, is truly amazing. And I'm going to say to our listeners, a lot of what you'll hear today is, is shocking, but it's a story everyone should hear. And I want to thank you so very much for taking the time, Annika, to, to come on with us today. And I should say that right now she founded and is the director of Prison Yoga, something she founded in 2000. Liberation Prison Yoga. Yeah. yeah. Li- okay. Sorry to interrupt. Liberation, Liberation Prison Yoga. Prison yoga. And, that, and that's the website, liberationprisonyoga.com. So yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll start, Phil, go ahead. We'll start talking about you and then uh, what you're doing with your, your, uh, your project. All right. Well, you set it up pretty well. I was just going to ask Annika to uh, give us her background in this, um, which, you know, we could talk for hours about, but just maybe uh, give us a brief summary, Annika, of uh, what brought you to Liberation Prison Yoga and your work as an advocate for sex trafficking survivors. Uh, we all, Dennis and I know the story, but our listeners should hear came to all this. Um, yes, and thank you. Um, and Phil, it's nice to hear you again. It was really great to meet you and um, in uh, the Bahamas. I really enjoyed uh, spending time there and meeting you and um, our other, the other presenters there. And Dennis, thank you for the introduction. I, um, I yes, I have a, an extreme and unusual background. Um, and what is even more unusual, I think, is that the the 30 years that I had to heal from that background, which uh, put me in a place that um, helps me to do the work that I do today. So I was um, raised by a psychopathic mother, and I was abused and sold when I was six years old into a network pedophiles who were extremely well organized and psychopathic certainly in their own right and who committed maybe the darkest crimes imaginable and I found out later that those men um, I knew that they were powerful that they were not just people from Belgium where I was raised I was taken to different countries and the men I was uh, confronted with were uh, turned out to be world leaders, very visible on the world stage, politicians and those who control politicians and all those who hang around those world leaders and had gotten to this perhaps final stage of deprivation I was rescued um, as an 11-year-old girl. That was in 1974 from, by someone on the inside. And I was given very precise instructions that I should follow to survive, which I did. That kept me away from prostitution. It certainly kept me from speaking, ever speaking up about 
anything that had happened to me for very, most of my adult life. And um, also put me in a situation where I really was able to explore healing and go to therapy every day and uh, do what I needed to do to, to, to regain a sense of myself. And that sense of myself, I think I received in the very early years um, when my mother was abusing me and projecting from birth on. But I, there was a, a caregiver who, um, who was very loving and I remembered feeling what it was like to be loved, what it was like to be seen as just a cute little baby, innocent, and the vibration of that that come that came from that woman and the care that she had for me and the um, the, the how I came to life in her arms and how when I was with my mother I would with her again and die many little deaths and um, having received that initial caring being being loved initially was what helped me to strive to know that this is I just want to be myself and I was just so everything was so convoluted from the trauma I just wanted to be me. That's what the 30-year journey was about. And, of course, that was an inner journey. It wasn't visible uh, to anyone. It was um, extremely difficult because I didn't have self-esteem. So, um, And then to not opt for power, which is what the abusers had done, was actually very difficult because um, I was not... Uh, strong enough to be truly humble. So I was continually experiencing humiliations, but at the same time, I had my principles, and I think that these moral principles that I had were also based on having had this sense that I got from myself and being loved so that I had a sense of what's right and wrong. Uh, and uh, go ahead. Yeah, yes, and that and that got me through all the way. Mm-hmm. Annika, uh, a couple of questions. One is, uh, is that uh, sex trafficking that you were a victim of uh, has it been stopped? Is it still something that takes place? And, and who was the uh, first person to reach out to you outside of that that world? Uh, that that helped you get uh, moving in the direction of strength and healing? Well, none of the men who abused me were caught, and I certainly am not in any position to name any names if I, you know, think I care for my life too much, um, to put myself in danger in that way. And... Um, I also think that naming names and, you know, it may be extremely sensational, but I do think that it would hinder my message. Uh, but, but mostly they're all dead, my, my perpetrators, but we have to assume that because nothing was ever done, no one was ever brought to justice, that it still continues to this day. So what I'm doing is just to raise awareness of these 
dark facts. Mm. And, the person uh, who rescued me uh, was not in my life at all. He rescued me, he gave me these instructions all in one day, and I never saw him again. Mm. Annika, um, we want to come back to um, the advocacy work uh, that you're doing uh, for sex trafficking survivors. Uh, but to continue your own story, um, you're now doing uh, liberation prison yoga uh, since uh, 2014. Um, how did you come to that, and, and what role did your own uh, spiritual uh, practices and uh, anything you learned along the way play in your own healing? Yes, thank you. Well, I... Certainly, when I discovered yoga and meditation separately, I was very I was thrilled because yoga was the physical therapy that I'd been looking for my whole life, and I embraced it immediately and immediately felt uh, a different person from the first yoga class I took. And um, I'd always done sports and always done things just to stay healthy, um, also to deal with the injuries that I'd uh, gotten in childhood. And I, yoga was became my the, the only thing I, I did for a long time, um, and I did it every day or six days a week. And meditation gave me a lot more in terms of the perspective that both perspective on the events in my life and perspective on myself and, you know, really provided the philosophical uh, context in which I could see these things happening and the, the purpose for my journey, which is often very difficult to find in the midst of it. So when I started to teach, I, I didn't really ever feel like teaching so much. I was just focused on my own healing, but I was asked by a friend and I started to teach and I, I even had a studio um, myself and I was teaching Ashtanga yoga in that studio. And, and I was, but I was at the same time really looking to work with people um, and I, was, I started there to work with people who had specific traumas who came to me because they already knew my story. And I, I, I realized that I really like working with people who have, you know, very severe challenges um, physically or mentally. So um, the prison work kind of came to me. I didn't really seek it at all. But once I was inside, I realized that this is, this is it. The first class I did um, at a woman's prison that is now closed in Chelsea and in New York City, Bayview, I, um, I, I just connected very easily with everyone um, because most people inside prison do have trauma histories and I relate because often these histories are more of the caliber of violence that I experience that in my regular life, I don't really meet people who've been through things are anywhere near um, the degree of violence that I went through. Mm -hmm. So I could relate very strongly, and I've had this journey behind me already that I could just share. So I, I didn't want to just teach yoga. 
I wanted to do it in the way that I wish it would have been available for me when I had all these obstacles that I had to overcome every time I went to a yoga class right. and I had to, you know, just get over the fact that someone would just touch me without asking first. Um, that's often that, 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 uh, touch was, uh, even charged, um, sexually or sensually charged, uh, when I didn't ask for anything that, Often I didn't want to be behind someone. I didn't want to be in front of someone. I was self-conscious of my body. I wanted to just be in the back and I wanted to be left alone and um, it was hard to find. So I wanted to create a way of doing yoga together that could at the same time be a very private and personal experience with maybe our eyes closed a lot of the time and yet also completely safe so that we're in a circle um, I don't use any commands at all, and I teach my, my, the teachers that go in with me, we don't use any commands. That's very important so that all language is invitational, and um, I'm completely allergic to commands. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when I go to a yoga class, I have to still overcome that obstacle. And um, we look very strongly at inner power dynamics. So... Um, that is the the most unique part of our trauma informed work is that we as teachers we look at our own um, status and how we affect people and I train people to mostly be aware of inner you know who do we look up to um, and and is that person a representative of maybe an authority figure from our past that we needed to placate, that we needed to make good because we were afraid of them? And whom do we look down upon? Because is that perhaps a representation of the unloved child inside ourselves that still needs, still craving to be heard, seen, and understood mm-hmm. so that we are aware of ourselves and we don't play into the power dynamic at all. So when someone looks up to us, we actually get into a position as being projected upon as 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 um, authority figures, which often means abusers that are that need to be placated and need to be made good. We um, we go against expectations in that dynamic to then ultimately help reverse the trauma by when the message the message arrives that in in abuse, the message somehow arrives to the innocent child that you're not so innocent or the message is that you're not so wonderful, you're not worthy of being loved. And it could be verbal or nonverbal. Children will feel it. That we can reverse that message and then in that moment of confusion from not playing the, the part, not judging, uh, when we're tested and not um, needing the the power, not needing the the status of our of our position as teacher or whatever, that we can then give a positive affirmation and say something right in the moment that a person expects to be abused again. That could be as subtle as just being judged, but in that moment, instead of judging, we actually say something that is true and positive about that person so we re-establish the original um, truth of the person, which is 
innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annika, I, I wanted to ask you uh, about your forming the uh, organization Liberation Prison Yoga. Uh, how did you first approach the prisons? Were they receptive? Who helped you along the way in establishing that program? Because I think it's probably not easy to just go in and uh, be allowed to give programs like this in, in uh, uh, you know, federally or, or state-controlled prisons. How did that come about? And again, who, who helped you along the way? Yes, it's true. It's not uh, so easy. Um, I started with, um, you know, again, it wasn't something that I was seeking. I, I received, I, I connected with James Fox from um, the Prison Yoga Project, and he was doing workshops, and I ended up organizing a workshop here in New York for him. And then afterwards, he was going to go back to California, and I was here, and people were looking at me um, for what to do next. So I started this um, work with Prison Yoga Project, and I started to um, I started to go into the jails and the, the state prisons at first to do the to start the programs. I connected with people and asked around and. Um, once we, once we were in the jail, it was very easy. You know, one, I, I actually met with someone, a friend of a friend who just worked in nonprofits, but she then knew someone at the then department of health that were, that did, was in charge of correctional health. And so that person, we met with her and then we have been going ever since through volunteer ID, we have volunteer IDs through the, the medical branch. So we go, and it's now HHC, Health and Hospitals. It used to be Department of Health in New York City. But it's all through that person. And we've, we've, and then, and we've ultimately made our way in the Department of Corrections itself. So we have some programs directly with Department of Corrections, but most of our programs are through HHC. And that's from that all through that one person, but we, we do have 12 programs in the, in the New York City jail. Mm-hmm. Annika, is it all women? women no, we, we, we have a lot of programs with the women, but we also have, um, we have both women in the jails that we have a lot of programs with, and we have a lot of programs at Bedford Hills uh, Maximum Security Prison and also Taconic and Medium Security Prison, the state prison. But... Um, we also have programs with men, and we also have programs with youth. With, and then we also have what a program was the last with words? transgender. Youth. programs with? Oh, youth. Yep. Youth. I assume that um, the teachers have to be the same sex as the prisoners. That would be ideal, but as you can imagine, that's not easy to do. Uh, it's probably uh, why we have most of our pro- programs with uh, women. And, but, right. but there are, of course just depends on the person. Certain women are absolutely fine to teach men, and then we, we, we are, of course, always look for the right person uh-huh. to teach the right. The right. Um, but most of our teachers are women. We yeah. are thankful to have a wonderful man teaching the boys. Um, and we teach the boys because at, uh, in New York State, you are um, charged as an adult from the age of 16 on. Uh-huh. So they are actually there as adults, but they're 16 years old. So I got it. We, and the prisons yeah. are okay with uh, women coming in to teach men 
yoga? The prison officials? Yes, um, absolutely, yeah. Huh. We, yeah. We do what we can, you know, and yeah. it's, again, it's the right woman. It, we right. choose the right woman. There are definitely women and yoga teachers who would not be the right person to go in and teach the men, you know, right. that either too young or they're not aware or they have their own issues with um, sexuality and so forth that... Mm that could, um, you know, endanger them and that could, you know, and, and that's happened as well. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it, everything has happened. Right. Um, nothing, nothing terrible has happened, but it's, I've certainly been very worried at times. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anik, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, do you find in you're dealing with, uh, the women in the prisons that a lot of these women are really more, uh, victims of abuse than they are, uh, violators and criminals and that some setting other than prison, which would be much more, much better for them and much more effective in bringing them back to society in a very a healthy and productive way. Well, that's the case for most pr prisoners, not for women. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we still have most of our prisoners there. Um, there's clearly a targeted population. It's a continuation of slavery in this country. That is kind of not named slavery now. It's called mm -hmm. mass incarceration, but that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. So when you go inside, you see it very clearly. That um, it's um, it's incredible, and um, so a lot of people are still there for drug use and things like that. That of course uh, a white person would never end up in jail for, um, or if they do, it's by kind of by accident, and. Um, you know, same with the sixty. Where you see it very clearly with the with the youth, with the boys. Those are, um, you know, I don't ever see any white boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, They're no, all I, I black. was. Yeah, uh, uh, if I could ask a follow up question, do you do you have any kind of program where you have follow up when uh, the men and women leave prison, uh, so they can, can continue with the yoga? Yes, I get it. Yes, well, first of all, I'd like to say that for most prisoners whether they're in maximum security and they've committed horrific crimes or whether they're in jail just waiting for their trial date and they don't have enough money to pay bail, that for most prisoners, anything but prison would be a better mm -hmm. way to deal with what they're dealing with. Most people that we encounter are not psychopaths. Most people that we encounter are people like you and me who just don't have our privilege and are um, traumatized and need programming, and I think specifically programs that take a person as whole rather than look at the brokenness and try to fix the brokenness, which that doesn't really work. So that's one. That requires a different type of society where we deal with people who make mistakes differently. And secondly, um, we have one community class in the center of the city that is open to everyone. So we encourage our students to come there, but we don't, and we've had programs in various re-entry um, facilities, that's to say halfway houses that um, house our students after they get out, but um, it's very difficult because we're not that big yet to really, um, you know, we are not, we don't, you know, we would love more input 
Um, but, you know, at some level, some of our students, you know, just need shelter. And we're not in a position to provide them with, with that. So we have yoga on the other, on the other end. And they can continue to practice yoga once they're out. Mm-hmm. I, I want to alert our listeners. Um, we're having some sound difficulties. And if we uh, have to cut this off, we will just post it. Yeah, and so uh, I think uh, there's no problem from Annika's side. I don't know from oh, my side. Oh, okay. So I, and you're a little bit distorted, but not much. I, I think it's very workable. Okay. So. Well, if it happens, we'll, we'll, we'll have to cut it off. Annika, uh, one question. Could you um, tell us more specifically what your yoga classes in the prison are like? Um, okay, yeah, I'd be uh, happy and, to talk about that. Yeah, and what the, the sort of, I don't mean every asana or anything, but just basically. No, what... <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, well, they're very different, right? So the first thing, just imagine not a single command, you know, that really changes things. So we come and we um, approach people obviously as whole and we um, focus first on connecting from the heart. And um, we all understand that if there's no human connection made, that we're, that whatever else we do is useless. So first we connect from heart to heart. Second, we create a safe space, whether that is first on the mat or that is a safe space from within, from the, from the guided meditations that we may do to engender the sense of um, the, lar- the larger self, the self as light, this, the free self, the knowing self, the true self, and so forth. And we, every class will have, will start with a, a small discussion so that we know that we're there for each other, that we're there not just to, to teach asana, that we're, we're connecting with people. And so, um, you know, that looks different, that can look different every class. And next, we always start with um, a guided meditation to be a visualization to offer this sense of the free self that is larger than larger than the the body. Um, and then asana is very free and optional. So we we work with the level of the group, and it could be very varied levels within the group. Um, again, there's no commands, and our best classes are where everybody knows that this is a time for each person, each them, for themselves, to take care of themselves, that they don't have to do anything that we say, and we stress it so much that people really believe it, and so we'll have people just taking care of themselves and lying down, for example, because they know they can, because that is the time that they can just be it could just be. So, um, but then a lot of people also want the, the want to sweat and want the, the, the joy of the movement. And so um, we'll participate and we'll have a lot of fun. We try to make it a lot of fun. Um, and, and, and meanwhile, the language is about acceptance, self-acceptance, accepting all feelings, accepting anger um, as a very important um, feeling to recognize and to own and um, uh, allowing for everything. So 
it can be very important for people to hear that uh, when you're being told all day that, you know, you're not supposed to be angry and angry is bad and so forth. So we, we, so our language is very, very specific, very honest about circumstances. And at the same time, we bring the hope that we are much more than our circumstances. Uh, Annika, I wanted to ask you one, one final question, and that is, uh, if you had unlimited resources, and by the way, if you go to liberationprisonyoga.com or contact us, uh, yes. you can find out how you can support uh, Annika's activities. But if you had unlimited resources, what would you do? What more could you be doing? What, what would you know, be the ultimate uh, uh, you could provide for folks? Well, it's multiple. Um, first of all, I mm-hmm. think that the way that we teach yoga is important for everyone. We are all traumatized. So everyone can use yoga as a much larger um, practice than just the physical practice. So I would uh, promote yoga as it is to change the paradigm, as it were, to get out of this power paradigm that is trauma-based because it's the sickest people at the top and um, the vulnerable populations at the bottom, and then most of us kind of stuck in the middle. So we want to get out of that, and we want to just really de- which is take, get, get out of that brainwashing from that mm-hmm. model that we're in that has everyone stressed and, 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 and hurting. So to really put all our resources to of course, going in all the prisons, but ultimately to spread this message of, of peace and um, going within to deal with our own traumas, whatever they are, and to go back and find the courage to go and feel our, our own pain, mm-hmm. go back to perhaps the hardest moment of our life. And when, when we do that, when we go back to that moment of fear of death, and when we have the courage to do that, that in itself already is the beginning of spiritual growth because you need to know that something greater than yourself, that you're going to live, that you're not going to. Emotionally, mm-hmm. it'll be just as scary because you think you're going to die, but you have to know that something's going to be there to hold you mm-hmm. and that you're going to live. So the spiritual growth really happens first from going back to our pain and whatever feelings that are repressed around that pain to feel those feelings and to go through our own story so that we can really get to be full human beings and, and, and feel everything. And as we feel and as the feeling expands, our consciousness expands as well. And we become automatically more empathic and we feel more balance between rationality and Um, feeling, which are both equally important. And, you know, feeling is called consciousness in Sanskrit. And I think this is the time where we really have to focus Mm -hmm. on getting, really looking at ourselves, embracing our own darkness, having the courage to go inside and do this work, even though the world will encourage you not to do so and the, cur- the world will encourage you to not feel your pain and take a pill and climb the ladder and go for these external things. I think if we really want to embrace our yoga 
to say, take the whole thing because it takes you all the way. Mm-hmm. Annika, um, before we uh, have to sign off, um, I want listeners to know that um, part of your advocacy work for uh, sex trafficking survivors, um, they can uh, find online uh, if they go to um, the Liberation Prison Yoga uh, website. There's the Liberation Priya. Yes, there's the website. When my and, and if you go under um, who we are, my name is there. And there's more information, or you can just Google my name, Annika Lucas, and uh, petition. And mm-hmm. then also um, there's a TEDx talk that came out recently. It might be yeah. interesting to watch that. It's um, just 18 minutes. And um, I think it's informative and it's something that I, I, I hope is worthy of being shared so that, you know, mm-hmm. if we had unlimited resources, <laughs> but now I'll just ask you to, right. to look at it and share. <laughs> but the, the petition online is uh, very worthwhile for people to look at. Yes. It's a very interesting thing because you're aiming at uh, hotels and motels. Um, where yes, I, we're, ch- we're I, trying to change the laws. Yes, right. and it's got it's gotten it's in the assembly. It has twenty two um, assembly members um, in in New York State that are supporting it already, which is a huge number. Um, but we still need support. The petition has currently almost sixty thousand signatures, and we want many, many more because we really want to show the governor once it goes to Governor Cuomo, that this bill is important and that it has support from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it it does require for all hotels and motels to train their staff, give mandatory training about trafficking awareness and to post signage in the lobby with the hotline number and a definition of what sex trafficking is, which is one of the things that I know that if I would have seen as a little girl... I, it would have opened my eyes because I didn't think of myself as a victim at all. I thought I was, I thought I was a whore. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 Annika, thanks so much. Thank you, and again to our listeners, <laughs> liberationprisonyoga.com. Please, please go to that site and read about the work that Annika is doing. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show at some point, and we wish you uh, tremendous success uh, on what you're doing, and we congratulate you for what you have done. Uh, so uh, until next time, any, any final Thanks so uh, much. Thank words, you so Phil? much. I'm sorry? No, anything, uh, Phil? Uh, uh, no, uh, no, I think we, <laughs> I think Annika uh, okay. said it all. We're, there's so much more to say, but we, this is a good start, and we direct our listeners to, to the websites. Great. All right, till next yes, time. Yes, but I'm very grateful, very grateful to you both, and uh, thank you, Phil. It's lovely to hear your voice. And, um, yes, um, thank you. Keep up the good work. 